0: Hey super friends, this is Neil and Martin and we are back with another Get Your Comic On podcast. This is what we are dubbing our first Doomcast, where we're going to talk about the first episode of DC Universe Doom Patrol. Just going to warn you now, there's a pretty major spoiler alert with this one, so if you've not watched it, be prepared, there's going to be a lot of plot point discussion.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I would watch it first and then listen to this, otherwise it's just going to ruin it for everybody.
0: So you're telling people to go away and come back if they've not watched it?
1: Yeah. Pretty much, unless you want to be spoiled.
0: So the whole idea of this new little series is we are going to sit down and talk about each individual episode of the season. Obviously, we did our Titans podcast, which you can hear now. Both parts are there, or if you go to our YouTube channel, then there is a video of the whole thing unbroken. But that was 11 episodes, and it did take an hour and 43 minutes. So we thought we'd do something slightly different this time around and take it episode by episode each week and give you the whole season in bite-sized chunks. So get ready to come with us on a little journey through the world of the weird and the world's strangest heroes with Doom Patrol. So, what do we know about the Doom Patrol?
1: They were in an episode of Titans.
0: (laughs) Okay, I have personally never read any Doom Patrol comics. Nor have I. So we are coming into this completely blind, Super Friends. For those of you who may have watched it and also haven't read the comic books, I'm going to read a little bit from the Doom Patrol Wikipedia page for a second, which is that the Doom Patrol is a superhero team appearing in publications from DC Comics. The original Doom Patrol first appeared in My Greatest Adventure number 80. Can you tell me when that was from? 1960-something. Well done. June 1963.
1: I was going to say that.
0: They were created by writers Arnold Drake and Bob Haney and artist Bruno Premiani. The Doom Patrol has since appeared in multiple incarnations. But you didn't know that, did you? The first Doom Patrol consisted of super-powered misfits whose gifts caused them alienation and trauma. Dubbed the world's Strangers Heroes, which this series is also doing, the original team included The Chief, which is Niles Calder, played in the pilot by Timothy Dalton, Robot Man, Cliff Steele, Brendan Fraser as the voice and flashbacks, Elastigirl, who is called Woman in the series for a bit of political correctness, whose obviously real name is Rita Farr, she's played by April Bowlby, and Negative Man, Larry Trainer, who is played by Matt Bomer. The team remained featured characters of My Greatest Adventure, which was soon retitled Doom Patrol from issue 86, which was March 1964. The original series was cancelled in 1968 when Drake killed the team off in the final issue, Doom Patrol number 121, which was published in September slash October 1968. Since then, there have been six Doom Patrol series, with Robotman as the only character to appear in all of them. Isn't that an interesting fact? I did not know any of that. Now you do. Thank you, Wikipedia. So this episode is simply called Pilot. Uh, The synopsis is typical of DC Universe in that it's pretty short. It reads, In the series premiere, the reluctant heroes of the Doom Patrol... Robot Man, Negative Man, Elastir Woman and Crazy Jane face the threat of Mr Nobody who's after the Chief. Let's throw to a little clip from the episode.
1: Ready for a story about superheroes? (sighs) More TV superheroes, just what the world needs. Be honest, have you hung yourself yet? Or, what if I told you this was actually a story about Super Zeros? Losers. Achingly pathetic metahuman goose eggs. How about it? Ready to feel better about your own miserable lives for the next hour or so? Follow me.
0: So Doom Patrol stars Diane Guerrero as Crazy Jane, April Bowlby as Rita Farr, Elastir Woman, Matt Bomer and Matthew Zuck as Negative Man. So Matthew Zuck is the guy who you see with the bandages wrapped around him and Matt Bomer is the voice and who you see in the flashbacks. Robot Man, Cliff Steele, played by Brendan Fraser or Riley Shanahan. So again, Riley Shanahan is the guy that wears the robot costume and Brendan Fraser gives the voice. Niles Calder is Timothy Dalton and Mr Nobody, the villain, is played by Alan Tudjuk. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but that's how it's spelt.
1: It sounded right to me.
0: You can already read my review of the episode over on the website. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I said the pilot episode of Doom Patrol is an excellent first glimpse into a different corner of the DC universe. Compelling characters and an enticing story make this one of the most exciting comic book pilots in years. So starting at the beginning I really like the opening scenes to this episode because it starts with a narration by the villain Mr Nobody which I thought was really different. It's quite funny and the opening line of not another TV series about superheroes kind of showed that DC's poking fun at itself with this, I thought, which made me think it was quite Deadpool-esque because it's self-referential as well as self-deprecating and quite darkly comedic.
1: Would you agree? Was that I, a little bit highbrow? It was a bit highbrow for me there, but I would agree with all the words I understood. <laughs> and I would say, yes, so it's very different to Titans. So very not, different to Titans? Not dark, moody at all but very sort of light it's raining in the first scene it is raining I'll give you that um, but you know, I, you know I've seen it twice now I didn't really warm to it the first time yeah. but the second time I've started to warm to it okay. probably wasn't in the best frame of mind when I watched it the first time but the second time round definitely yes you
0: were drunk the first time weren't you I wouldn't say drunk yes viewers at home he was definitely at least tipsy the first time we watched this episode I'll say tipsy <laughs> I also quite liked that they really only give you backstories to three of the characters. We only meet four of the Doom Patrol in this episode. We don't get to meet Cyborg. He's coming in this week's episode, episode two, which is called Donkey Patrol. It is genuinely called Donkey Patrol. It's all about that donkey that's at the end of this episode.
1: I never understood that donkey. It was a bit weird, especially when it's da, da, da,
0: da. I see. You're jumping toward to the end. Don't confuse the lovely people at home. Okay. So we only get backstories to uh, Robot Man followed by Negative Man and then Elastigirl woman in this. I keep wanting to call her Elastigirl because that's what she's called in the comics. So, flashback-wise, let's start with Robot Man. Very colourful, very 80s, some good music.
1: Yes. And he is not a very nice man. No, and it was really awkward because I
0: did watch this this morning on the train. I watched it this morning on the train too, and there were a few looks at the... The bouncing bum and then the boobs. Yeah, I kind of skipped through that because the man next
1: to me nearly fell off the seat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so obviously you do get a glimpse of his character and you, you understand straight away that these are maybe not the nicest people before their accidents. So Cliff Steele is a, a racing driver and clearly very successful but with a very unhappy home life. I really like that there was a twist to this story that came later though. If you watch all of the promotional material and kind of any of the trailers any of that stuff that came before it it all makes it look like his accident was on the racetrack which obviously you are then led to believe when you watch this episode at the very beginning that is where that flashback ends before it goes on to Negative Man and actually that's not the case and I thought that was a really clever twist because it went from being fairly tragic and sad that he you know died or not died as it were but then it becomes quite heartbreaking when you realise that actually he was a drunk driver that killed his wife, whether he liked his wife or not, he did kill her, and may or may not have killed his daughter.
1: Probably should have said there will be some spoilers in this review. Oh, yes, seen it.
0: there are spoilers. <laughs> I'll add a little bit in at the beginning that says spoilers, but if you got to this point, then well done.
1: Yeah, no, I liked how it kind of took you down a different way, so you were kind of thinking, oh, you know, just another racetrack accident, but then it went really dark and quite sad by some... It did,
0: but it still managed to keep the humour, and it was the same thing, I thought, with Negative Man as well. So you saw that he had the kind of, and this isn't referencing the Titans villains, but he had the nuclear family, he had the wife and the two kids, and he had the suburban home, and he had the amazing job, and what? uh, I'm trying to remember what Mr Nobody calls him. Uh, To call him American hero or like an American heartthrob or something like that, Mm. and then obviously you see him stood out on the um, on the runway looking at the plane, which I thought was very good CGI, but we'll come to that afterwards. Uh, You see him obviously then piloting and going up into space and getting hit by whatever that being is that turns him into Negative Man, and then he crashes and burns and becomes a completely charred corpse. And again, it's really sad, and you see the family when they see the 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 smoke from the from the plane crash, but then later in the episode you get the twist again, which was that actually he was a very unhappy man, and um, again I'm pretty sure Mister Nobody refers to himself as believing he was a monster, because he was having an affair with another man.
1: Yeah, so it adds a whole other element of sadness, really, because he had this whole other separate life, and then you got to see the the other partner in the army rushing to get him and putting him
0: out because he was on fire. Oh yeah, because you see see him running and you think, the first time you see it, you think he's running to him because obviously he wants to know if this pilot is dead or alive and then you realise that actually it's the man he loves and you see the... The red... The red tag that's in his pocket, or sorry, like handkerchief that's in his pocket that's tied around his wrist when he's piloting the plane. So for the two of them, both Robot Man and Negative Man, there's a real twist to it that kind of pulls the rug out from under the audience that I, I just think makes you then feel a lot more sympathetic for the characters than you did when you see the the first bit of their story.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you don't really get that with Rita, though, do you?
0: No, so that's what I was going to say. You don't get that with her. She's just not very nice.
1: No. So I hadn't
0: realised this about her, but then in that episode of Titans that they were in, which I can't remember the name of, what was it called? Uh, Doom something? <laughs> She wasn't in it all that much, was she? If Because no. you get the kitchen scene with Negative Man, you get to see Beast Boy and Raven, Rachel, with Robot Man, and then she joins the dinner table later on, doesn't she? Yeah. Because I can remember there's the scene where she stood and she's doing the generic pose where she's leaning against the doorframe and doing the kind of like, I'm here! And then joins them and eats the chicken, and it's all about how much she eats. So I don't think you get to know that much about her character. But actually, as it turns out, she's not really very nice at all.
1: No, and it's all But then I wonder if they're going to develop that further, and we're going to get some sort of tortured past as to why she's so vain and. I'd see, I see. I took looks. it as if maybe
0: it's going to be that if they are they obviously can't spend the entire series of what is it, thirteen, fourteen episodes in this house. Because in Titans they were in that house. They did not leave the house. They didn't want Beast Boy leaving the house either. So, if they're going to be getting out of the house then she needs to integrate into society or at least mix with them. And I wonder if that's what they're going to do. They're going to challenge her beliefs by having her be in a modern society.
1: Yeah, they could do because she's, what, a 40s, 50s girl? Yeah. In the modern world. A lot of change.
0: Yeah. And she's got that weird leg. <laughs> that's just the, the precursor. It's the melty face and the melty leg that then becomes a,
1: a blob. blob. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but it's still a really good flashback. I like the way they did it, the way that they tee up that she's actually just a bit So she's She's kind She is racist But then she also He's missing an arm isn't he She doesn't like that he's A black guy But also that he's missing an arm Yeah, he's the best I like what they call him He's the best focus puller In the business Which you would now call A cinematographer But back then It would have just been A focus puller Um, And then That whole argument She has with the With the director Where she says Put his name on the marquee Then Which was Just her way of being A bit of a diva Yeah but I did like when she fell into the water and then whatever it was that was in the rock that she then breathed in that caused her to become a bit melty. But I like that... I mean, it's still a 58-minute episode, so it's much longer than any of the Titans episodes, but it doesn't cram in every single character because you don't get flashback to the Chief either.
1: No, and i kind of confuse that because I'm not... I'm not sure where this fits in with Titans.
0: So, I understand that Titans is set 2017-2018 is the the way it's being perceived. And that Doom Patrol is obviously 2019 because that's where you see the last date. So, in the sequence when Robot Man's learned what's happened to his family or what he thinks has happened to his family and he hides himself away in his room. Yeah. You see the years tick by and it ticks by from 1995 to 2019. So, this is presumably set after Beast Boy has come and gone and also after the Titans have been I think that's where they're taking their influence from Titans because they're saying Beast Boy has obviously left the house and gone away so they're trying to be a bit more brave in stepping out into the world I think they're trying to use the influence of the Titans and the Titan episode to show what's happening to them a little bit afterwards Be interesting to see if the Titans come back into this for any kind of crossover though There's no rumours or anything to that effect and I've not even seen a list of episode titles
1: You would think there'd be some sort of touch base with Beast Boy at some point or even like a... They might sneak in a phone call or...
0: Yeah, that would make sense. That
1: Snapchat, whatever the kids use (laughs) these days.
0: There's Justice League references in this week's episode with Cyborg though. He references the fact that he wants to be a member of the Justice League. That's a little spoiler for this week, sorry. That's next week's podcast.
1: Oh, that's exciting.
0: What I do really like is that they do only focus on those three characters and not say... Chief and also Crazy Jane because even though the episode is 58 minutes long that would still be a lot to cram into 58 minutes to flashback to those to five characters I was technically six characters because of Mr Nobody you do get a flashback on him obviously at the beginning to a flashback on six characters and introduced all of them would have been too much in one episode I think do you do you agree on that one or would you like to have seen more of Crazy Jane?
1: Well, I think Crazy didn't mean what she's got sixty-five personalities. That would be a really long pilot to kind of go through all of them. He's
0: sixty-four. Sixty-one. I don't know if that's sixty-four and Jane or sixty-four including Jane. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, th- I mean, the fifty minutes was enough. I think it was enough time because we got to have a really good background
0: to. It know, didn't feel so. overly long though, and I put yeah. this in my review. I said that actually, it's very piloty in that it does spend the first couple of acts on introducing the characters. But then it does still find time to introduce some kind of story to move it forwards. I love the sequence with Mr Nobody in the uh, weird science lab when he gets cut up into pieces.
1: Yeah, that was well done.
0: Metaphorically, as it were. And then the way he looks when he reappears at the end of the episode is also excellent as well. I think that looks really cool. And although I've not read the comics, I have looked at images of him from the comics and it, it works. It looks like what he should look like. I say should. I'm doing air quotes for those that can't see me.
1: Yeah, it was a very, very, very well done CGI. And the only bad bit of CGI is that leg.
0: Really? Did yeah. you not like the
1: leg? No, I don't like the leg. So, the- <laughs> the- I like the face. The melty face looks good. It's that
0: leg. Okay. On second watch, for me, I felt there were only two bits of CGI that I thought were a bit dodgy. And they were things that stuck out to me the first time as well. The first one was when uh, Rita Far holds up the mirror to Robotman. When he first sees himself in his robot body. Yeah. And then right after that, you see the chief come wheeling in round the corner. And she's just put the mirror down. And it's Robot Man without any clothes on lying on the bed. And he's a fully CGI body at that point. And that's the last time you see it as CGI before it transitions into the physical suit. And I thought both of those looked a little bit ropey. Mm-hmm. But actually, when you watch it back, there are things that I hadn't realised were CGI that are. So the plane on in the airfield... Uh, so the the actual the giant the, the big plane that holds um, I can't remember his name Larry Trainer's plane is is CGI and then Larry's plane is also CGI as well and obviously that whole sequence of the plane in the air is CGI as well
1: I don't, I hadn't noticed
0: the leg I'm going to have to watch it again and look at the
1: leg yeah I mean I'll, I'll forgive them for the leg because that plane was amazing I didn't realise that was a CGI plane obviously the bit falling from the sky was CGI where did you think they got a big plane from? Oh, I don't know. It's a big budget. <laughs> but then, so, what do
0: you think of when she turns into the full blob?
1: Yeah, I mean, when it was like a full blob,
0: it was a bit creepy. <laughs> it's the face. The face is really creepy. So when she's hanging from that bit of road, it's, the, I've, it's probably the wrong turn of phrase, but I think it's really convincing.
1: It is a convincing blob, but it still makes me feel a bit queasy.
0: I mean, I know a couple of people that are like Elastigirl and do turn into blobs like that if they get a bit emotionally anxious, and I think it looks quite lifelike. Yeah. You're melting right now.
1: Oh, it's very hot in here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That whole road sequence. Okay, I don't know if we're jumping slightly towards the end of the episode, but was that enough story for you as a pilot for you? I mean, you're coming back next week regardless because, you know, You've signed a contract and you're here for the entire season. Uh, but was that enough story for you as a viewer, as a fan, watching it?
1: Yeah, I mean it kinda it was interesting because it was a big scene, but it was quite comedic as well at the same time, so it almost felt like I was watching one of those like sci fi comedy programs slightly esque, where you're in that small backwards American town. Town called Eureka. Well, I've never seen that, but it's kind of had a bit of that element to it. I okay. imagine if some of them was to go running. Oh God, those wacky scientists have done something again. What are those like? I really like that tone. Yeah. No, it's it's, nice. no I didn't say it was bad. I'm saying it's just interesting to have that because it's so different.
0: It is so different. Uh, I'm just going to point out something that I hadn't actually pointed out. So this uh, episode was written by Jeremy Carver. What do you know him for?
1: Right in this episode.
0: Okay, he also is a writer and a producer on Supernatural.
1: Oh, I don't know the
0: names. so I'll be honest. And it's directed by Glenn Winter. Glenn Winter. Smallville, Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, him. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple of, maybe not Carver so much, but certainly Glenn Winter knows his way around DC, so that was quite cool. I thought that he'd done that. He's nodding. Uh,
1: Ladies sorry, and gentlemen, yeah, sorry, I forget you can't
0: hear me nod. Okay, <laughs> I can't see you nod either. Oh, well, that as well. But I do, yeah. It was, it was enough for me. I think it was on the cusp of becoming too much introduction and not enough story. But there was, there was enough there, particularly in that end sequence. Especially with the farting donkey that you referred to earlier.
1: I don't understand the farting donkey. I'm hoping there's going to be some sort of background to this donkey. The
0: whole next episode, if you look at the promo pictures for the next episode, it's all about the hunt for the donkey. Very good. And the weird alternate universe they go into because of the donkey. I did enjoy that the donkey farted Mr Nobody's mantra, though.
1: It's a very clever donkey, I'll give him
0: that. <laughs> it was, yeah. It... it I said this again in my review a couple of times and so I'm sorry if you've already read it out there, Super Friends, but this is a very quirky show. We have definitely entered a period of slightly more off-the-wall comic book shows because you've got, obviously, uh, Deadly Class and uh, Umbrella Academy that have both premiered in the last few weeks, which are equally quirky, not your normal, average, straightforward comic book superhero show.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. never thought about that, but they've all kind of come out at the same time, really. Yes. It's almost like they knew.
0: <laughs> well, it is like they know, because they do know. But it is. I think it's just an example of. We've mined so many mainstream properties that studios are now all trying to look for something a little bit more. off the wall. I'm going to keep saying the word quirky, and I'm going to keep saying off the wall. But just something that's different to try and hook people in.
1: Yeah, because there's only so much you can do with the conventional mainstream superheroes. I mean, how many times do we need to see the Avengers or (coughs) Superman and some sort of Smallville, Lewis and Clark, Supergirl, super other stuff?
0: You mean all the programs that you love?
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. No, it's true. It's it's good to have something slightly different to be, able to be able to watch. I hope that it does come to Netflix.
1: I'm sure it will do. I mean,
0: It's not been announced yet, but it will, at some point it will come to Netflix.
1: They've just cleared out a whole lot of space for other stuff. So Oh. Oh. Would you oh referenced... Did we go there? Did we go there? <laughs>
0: <coughs> Would you by any chance be referencing that several mainstream comic book Netflix shows just got cancelled?
1: Oh, did they? I didn't know.
0: Yeah. yeah. An important point that follows on from when we were talking about Titans is Clint. Do you know what I mean when I say Clint?
1: Not Eastwood.
0: No, Mansell. Yeah. You don't follow. He's looking very blank at me, Super Friends. The score.
1: Oh, of course, the music is the same from the Titans.
0: It's the same guy that did the music for Titans. You know I'm Still not the same movies. guy that did the music for Requiem for a Dream, along with the Kronos Quartet. And actually, I remembered the music from this. I had a little hum-along when I watched it the second time. This has got a much more memorable score to it. You must remember there's a Titans moment as well. Yeah, I remember the Titans. It does two notes from Titans in mm-hmm. the exact same way, and I just thought, oh, hang on a minute. This is like Robin's going to appear or something any second now. but it wasn't. It was just a bit of a callback.
1: Okay, I like that, because we're establishing it's all in the same universe.
0: But then I don't think the other DC Universe shows are going to be in the same universe. They've said that Stargirl isn't. I'm sure they've said somewhere. I'm sure Jeffy, L Jeffy, said that it was going to be in a different universe. Well, I thought they were saying was... Well, maybe it's Swamp Thing that's in a different universe. They're not they're, they're not going to behold themselves to it being one big universe of everything being connected like the CW shows. But then I suppose
1: you could always get round that if they wanted to change their minds.
0: Oh yeah, they can do, well. They can just multiverse the whole thing. They'll have a crisis, and everyone will suddenly be connected.
1: Oh no, it's now Earth fifty four or something. Oh
0: okay, so something I did want to say actually, when we were talking about characters, do you, obviously you being a Teen Titans fan, we're not talking Titans now. We're talking Teen Titans. Did you miss Cyborg? Do you what What are your thoughts on Cyborg being a part of this show?
1: I don't know. I mean, he's never really been a part of Gym Patrol, has he? I don't, I
0: don't know because I've never read it. And what I read on Wikipedia, I don't
1: think he's ever been a part of them.
0: Okay, so maybe this is a way of crossing over then. So maybe he is going to be a part of this show, and similar to Beast Boy, at some point he will move off, either to become a member of the Justice League and be off screen, or he'll become a Titan to then go on and become a member of the Justice League.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'll be interesting to see what they go with and how he fits in with the dynamic as well. Yeah, and where do, how does he crop up? Does the chief go? And... Do what he needs to do. And, you know how how much of a backstory we're going to get of of Vic Stone? and we're going to get to see a mother box, or we're going to go. Down uh, oh, stuff? I don't know about a mother box. I don't know about mother box. That's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that. Because he's got to become Cyborg at some point. There so. is a
0: little snippet of his origin in one of the one of the previews, and I have seen an explosion in a lab. His dad is also in it, and his mum is also in it as well. Okay presumably it looked from the scene that I saw and again I'm spoiling the next episode probably but his mum was in the lab when the accident happened so I'm guessing that's how she'll appear and be killed off but I don't know about her Mother Box that will be interesting to see well he's got to get his cyborg also ethics. interesting considering they just did that on Young Justice
1: yeah that's true actually
0: there's a lot of overlap in terms of the characters that we've seen on DC Universe so obviously there's a Robin in Titans and Young Justice there's a Beast Boy in Young Justice and Titans and could be Doom Patrol. There's Cyborg in both of those as well. There's a lot of overlap. I well I mean it's the whole it's the same universe, but it's just interesting that they're focusing on a particular subset of characters.
1: I suppose it's characters that we don't normally see, is it? Yeah, that's true. So it's not the it's not the Trinity.
0: Oh, if only there was a Trinity show. That Fair would enough. make a good that would make a good series.
1: But it's like you say we don't want to keep mining the same stuff. You wanna try something a bit different. Yeah. You don't want to see the Trinity all the time. It's good to explore the other characters. Okay. In the wider universe.
0: So let's do a little bit of wrap up before we finish for this episode. Uh favourite character?
1: Um I wanna say negative man. Okay. Why negative man? I quite like his cult. Co- I
0: okay. know that's
1: not a reason, but that's he's fair enough. I don't know he's quite I think there's a lot more there that we're not going to get to see. The DC
0: Daily cast did this as which member of Doom Patrol would you date? Oh. I can imagine... I'm not asking you that question. No, yeah, least... You'd have to answer that question. I wouldn't date Negative Man. No, they all went for Robot Man.
1: Oh.
0: You couldn't go out in the rain, though. Oh, no, apart from Sam Humphreys, he went for Crazy Jane. He said you would never date the same girl twice.
1: That's true. Keep you on your toes.
0: I don't know who my favourite was. Not that you asked, but I'm going to tell you anyway. you don't want to wake uh,
1: up next to the blob either, do you?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm going to put that then as an inappropriate comment and move on from it. Okay. Um, I think my favourite character is... the donkey. Is
1: it giving you realistic aims to work towards.
0: No, I'm joking. Uh, so, no, Robot Man is my favourite character. I just think he's quite cool. I don't think that Cliff Steele was a very nice guy in the flashbacks, but he has the biggest arc in this episode.
1: Yeah, and I'm so shocked that that's the man from The Mummy. Who knew? Yeah, so you didn't realise until I pointed this out no. to you.
0: And that was only because I pointed out he's a little bit more portly than he used to be.
1: I wouldn't say he's portly. He's just you know, How long ago was The Mummy? 1996, 97. Exactly. Might even time. be earlier than that. Oh, God. I had, the Mummy was the first DVD I ever had. Really? Mine yeah. was Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire. The Mummy and that one about the sharks. Deep Blue Sea. Really? I didn't buy them. They were Christmas presents. As a tidbit <coughs> fact for you there, listeners.
0: Uh, right, so we've done favourite character. Least favourite character? Uh, if you have one. The Blob. <laughs> that poor woman. Uh, it's I the leg. <laughs> I, so my least favourite character would be the woman in the cafe, who is a Rita Far fanatic. Don't know what it is, she just kind of annoys me. The second, both times I watched it, she just kind of annoyed me. It's when... Although, to be fair, it's quite funny. It's when um, she's saying that it was all about her and her dad, and her, that was what brought them together, and yada yada yada. and then Rita says to her, Oh, tell me all about it. And she's like, What, my dad? And she just says it in a, in a really unconvincing way for me that ruins that scene. But it is funny... Because when she says that, Rita then goes, no. As in, tell me about why you like me. Not that she knows it's her.
1: Favourite moment?
0: Favourite scene, favourite moment?
1: Um, I quite like the backstories.
0: That's a little bit broad. Anyone That's in particular?
1: The, yeah. um, no, it's quite the, I quite like the, the twist of Negative Man as well.
0: That would be uh, my pick as well for my favourite scene. I did not see that coming similar to what they did with Robot Man but it's it's an interesting twist I'm sure there will be people out there particularly in the land of YouTube that will find that very annoying if it's not something that came from the comic books they'll say it's just the series being woke on purpose but I don't care it it, it was a nice twist It's a it makes you see that there are things that you might recognise in yourself in that character so if it helps people to watch it and identify with it then it's all good with me I agree Very good. Following on from our Titans podcast, have you had any thoughts about your method of scoring? Um,
1: Have you got a point system? You know, I think I made this out of 10 for this one.
0: Okay, so I gave this 8 out of 10, which for me signals... Actually, do you know I have a note in my phone that tells me exactly what that means?
1: Oh, you've got a little scoring system. I have a scoring
0: system. I have a scoring system. Uh... Shall I bore
1: you with the scoring system? Yeah, because I think everybody should use the scoring system.
0: Okay, so zero is unrateable. Example, Halle Berry Catwoman.
1: That's a good law, yeah.
0: One is awful. I haven't given that example. Two out of ten is offensively bad. For example, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2.
1: Okay, controversial. I would agree, though.
0: Three is bad. Four is... Oh, this is not good. And you can see that's exactly what it says. Oh, this is not good.
1: But you've not given like more examples.
0: Five, could be better, but could be worse, i.e. Suicide Squad. Six, meh, it's inoffensive, i.e. Justice League. Seven, okay. Eight, good, i.e. Wonder Woman. Nine, great, i.e. Infinity War. Can I use I.E. not E.G. And ten is a Maze Balls example. Batman Returns. So this episode for me is a good eight out of ten, equal to my enjoyment of Wonder
1: Woman. Oh, that's a good system. I'm gonna to have to, based on that very scientific system, I would have to give it what was, a seven. Oh, so it's okay. I liked Wonder Woman more.
0: Okay, it's an okay from you, and it's a good from me. He's nodding again.
1: Yes. So, I mean, you know, it's a pilot. We've got room to grow. We've got a cyborg to come. We've got a farting donkey. Who knows what that's going to do next? (laughs) So, you know, I'm going to come Uh back. I'm going to watch more. What You know, it's okay. It's a pilot.
0: Okay. Well, that about wraps up our talk on the pilot of Doom Patrol. So we will see you next week for Donkey Patrol,
1: which is episode two. Why are you laughing? Because it sounds like a completely different type of podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Next week's
0: episode of Donkey Patrol. Yeah, well, it's just as hard as spending an hour and 45 minutes talking about dick in Titans. (laughs) I'll see you next time.
1: Bye! Bye!